So I want to go into my teaching today. And it's, uh, we are going to, it's, it's um, a sizable teaching, so I want you to be ready. I want to go into my teaching today. The Bible says we are redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. It says we have, through his blood, we have redemption, even the forgiveness of sins, even the remission of sins. I think this is the book of Colossians. It says we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. So our redemption is through the blood of Jesus. Our redemption is through the blood of Jesus. Our redemption is through the blood of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Our redemption is through the blood of Jesus Christ. Not uh, Colossians, Ephesians, yes. In him, we have redemption through his blood. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 7 says, In him... We have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to his grace, according to the riches of his grace. So in him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness. What forgiveness there means? Remission. The remission of sins according to the riches of his grace. Forgiveness of sins doesn't mean God sees your sins and says, okay, I forgive you. No, no, no. It means God removes the sin, and then you remain as if the sin never happened. means God removes the sin, and then you remain as if the sin never occurred. This is what we call redemption or forgiveness of sin. God doesn't forgive sin and then gloss it over. No, he removes the thing. He removes, he rips it out. He rips it out. I once saw an advert, I think it was um, for Stilul or something, on TV, and they were watching this um, um, utensils, and you could see the the dirt being ripped out of the utensil, and it remains sparkling clean. This is what God does with sin, the remission of sin. He rips it out of your life, so that even if somebody mentioned it to you, or mentioned you in relation to this sin, God will say, "I don't remember. I don't remember at all." Um, because he throws it into the sea of forgetfulness. So this is by reason of the blood of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Jesus is our Passover lamb. The Bible says Jesus who is our Passover. So Jesus is our Passover lamb. Man, I feel anointing just sit in the house right now. Jesus is our Passover lamb. Is the lamb that was, is the reality that was depicted by the lamb that was slaughtered when the children of Israel were coming out of Egypt. So Jesus is our Passover. It's our Passover lamb. The, our Passover lamb is Jesus Christ. So the blood of Jesus 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, therefore says, Therefore purge out the old living, that you may be a new lamb, since you are truly unliving. For indeed, Christ, our Passover, was sacrificed for us. So the real Passover is Jesus Christ. The lamb that the Israelites were told to sacrifice 
at Passover, that lamb was depicting Jesus. Jesus is the real substance, is the real Passover in the name of Jesus is the real Passover. The lamb was a shadow of the reality, and reality is Jesus Christ of Nazareth. So, what the blood of the lamb did at Passover for Israelites, the same and more is done by the blood of Jesus. What the blood of the, uh, the, of the lamb did for the Israelites, God told them to take a lamb for each, each house, to take a lamb, slaughter the lamb, take the blood of the lamb, put, apply the blood of the lamb upon the sides of the door and upon the top edge of the door. So it forms a cross. They applied the blood on each pole, on each pole of the door, on each side of the door, and on the top edge of the door. And if you check, that forms a cross. That shows you that that lamb, that blood, was depicting the death of Jesus Christ at the cross. Exodus chapter 12, verse 7 says, And they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and on the lintel of the houses where they eat it. So they were supposed to apply the blood and then they were supposed to eat of the body of that lamb. That's why we have Holy Communion to eat the body of Jesus to depict what God um, what God ordered or what God instructed the children of Israel to do. The Bible says, God said, when I see that blood, I shall pass over. When I see that blood, I shall pass over the house and none, none on that house, none in that house shall die. So there was a, a death that was there was a death that was um, um, killing people outside. People were not in their houses. So God told the children of Israel, quarantine yourself. Go inside your house. But don't just go inside the house. Put blood on the door of the house so that when I come and see the blood, death will not enter the house. If the blood of the lamb could stop death in its tracks, the blood of an animal, how much more the blood of Jesus Christ of Nazareth will be able to stop death in your life? Exodus chapter 12 verse 37. Now the blood shall be assigned for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be on you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. You can say it like this. Now the blood shall be assigned for you on the houses where you are right now. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you so that corona shall not be on you to destroy you when the land of Kenya is struck. So the blood is the protection. Listen, the word Passover means, first of all, to skip. 
It means you shall be exempted from what other people are experiencing. But the word Passover doesn't just mean to skip. It, it also means to stand at the door and protect. So God does not just keep the house. No, no, no. He stands at the door where the blood is to make sure nothing can enter there to destroy the people inside the house. So that's why we are taking communion this morning so that you and your house are protected. Listen. The lamb of the Passover was for a household. And we are glad that right now you are doing this in your houses so that you and your house, even if your members are not with you now, but so long as they're under the covering of your house, there's the physical house and then there's the larger family. And so long as they're they under the covering of your house, you see, you can say the house of Joseph. That doesn't mean the physical house of Joseph. You understand? If you say the house of Pharaoh, doesn't mean the physical house of Pharaoh. It means the family of Pharaoh. So your house is protected so long as you have put this blood, you have applied this blood upon the door of your house. Any, and I want you to understand this, I want you to pay attention. I want you to pay attention. This thing is going around, so uh, are we still on network? I can see some latency here. It's okay. Uh, good. Because what I'm about to say is very important. The lamb at Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur means the day of atonement. So the death and the resurrection of Jesus was also the day of atonement. Atonement means to bring at one. To bring at one. At atonement means at one meant. So it means to bring both into one. God and man becoming one. That's what, that's what atonement accomplished. The priest would sacrifice a lamb for the sins of the people. The sacrifice of the lamb would deliver the people from their sins. I want you to pay attention carefully for me. The sacrifice of the lamb would deliver the people from their sins. But then the priest was also required, this is in the book of Leviticus chapter 16, the priest was also required to take the blood and go to the Holy of Holies, go to the mercy seat, and sprinkle that blood seven times. The priest was also required to go to the mercy seat and sprinkle that blood seven times. This is for you to access the blessing of God. So it is one thing to be delivered from death. It's another thing to access God's blessing. It is possible to be delivered from death and be non-blessed so that you are saved 
but you're suffering. So the blood sprinkled on the mercy seat was to allow us to access the blessing of God. Leviticus chapter 16 verse 15 says, Then he shall, start from verse 14, He shall take some of the blood of the bull and sprinkle it with his finger on the mercy seat on the east side. And therefore, the mercy seat he shall sprinkle and before the mercy seat, he shall sprinkle some of the blood with his finger seven times. Verse 15. Then he shall kill the goat of the sin offering, which is for the people. Bring the blood inside the veil. Do with that blood as he did with the blood of the bull. And sprinkle it on the mercy seat and before the mercy seat. This is seven times. This is the same reason that Jesus Christ also shed his blood seven times. And this is why it is very, very, very important that people come to church. You need to pay attention because I've never had this taught like this anywhere. It is extremely important that you come to the altar of church. That's why we are praying that this thing will be lifted quickly. And people get back to the altar. Why? Because at the altar, the Bible says, we have come to Mount Zion, to the city of God, to the heavenly Jerusalem, to the church of the firstborn, to the innumerable company of angels, and to the blood of sprinkling. So is at the altar and the blood of sprinkling where you come to access your blessing. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 24 says, to Jesus, uh, start from verse 23. Start from verse 22. But you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, to the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and the church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven. So it means the Suduma number in heaven. You have an ID in heaven that you belong to the general assembly of God to the church of the firstborn, to God, the judge of all. So when you come to church, you're coming to God, who is the judge of all, to the spirits of just men made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. So when you come to church, you're coming to that mercy seat where the blood of sprinkling that allows you to access your blessing is. And that's why we want you to build an altar in your house so that that altar also represents this altar here so that you, whenever you go to that altar, you are still going to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than the blood of Abel. 
Why is it speaking better things than the blood of Abel? Because the blood of Abel was crying out for vengeance. The blood of Abel was crying out for revenge. But the blood of Jesus Christ is crying out your justification, is crying out your blessing, is crying out your righteousness. You need to come to that blood of sprinkling. So the priest would sprinkle the blood and the person sprinkling the blood right now is Jesus Christ. That's why the Bible says, he has entered into the Holy of Holies, not with the blood of goats and lambs, but with his own blood. So whenever you come here, you have come to Jesus. And what is Jesus doing? He's sprinkling blood. And why is he sprinkling blood? So that you can access your blessings. I'm teaching good. Michelle Nyakadongo says, yes, Papa. Rose Wafula says, amen. Jonathan Joseph says, teaching good. So then the priest would come out and they would get another goat. And then the priest would confess or transfer the sins of the people to this goat. This goat, and how do they, would they transfer the sins of the people to the goat? They would lay their hands on the goat and begin to confess the sins of the people over the goat. They would say, because we have murdered, we are suffering. Because we have told lies, we are suffering. Because we have done this and this, we have been cursed. Because of this. Then those sins would now be transferred onto that goat. And that goat would be chased away from the camp. And as it goes out away from the camp, it would go and carry the sins of the people away. And go into the wilderness. This goat was called the scapegoat. This is where the word scapegoat came from. This goat is called the scapegoat because it is the one carrying the faults of the people. So when somebody tells you, why are you making me a scapegoat? It means you did something and you're blaming another person for it. So the scapegoat is the one that was blamed for the sin. And the scapegoat went with the sin and died in the wilderness with the sins of the people. So that the sins of the people were taken out of the camp. This is why Jesus went to hell and he became a scapegoat for us. He carried our sins to hell, to the wilderness, and he died with it there. And when he came back, he resurrected as a new person. Leviticus chapter 16, verse 21 says, Aaron shall lay both his hands on the head of the live goat, confess it, over it all the iniquities of the children of Israel and their transgressions concerning all their sins, putting them on the head of the goat and shall send it into the wilderness by the hand of a suitable man. That's why the Bible says in the book of 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, it says, if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just. In other words, if you put your sin upon Jesus, Jesus will carry it away. God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all iniquity, all unrighteousness. So Passover is important because Jesus was all these goats.
He's the one who died. He's the one who goes into the Holy of Holies to sprinkle that blood upon the mercy seat. And he's the one who became our scapegoat and went to hell to carry our sins there. So that we can always put our sins and our cares upon him. That's why the Bible says, cast your cares upon the Lord. Because the Lord is our scapegoat. He doesn't only carry our sins. He carries every curse. He carries poverty. He carries everything that makes you care. And carries it away. And leaves you redeemed. The word redeemed means to buy back. The word to redeem means to buy back. To buy back. A lot of you redeem your vouchers, shopping voucher. You redeem your bonga point. You redeem. It means you go and get, you get its value. You buy it back. First Peter chapter 5 verse 7 says, Casting all your care upon him because he cares for you. He only has capacity to take your care because he's your scapegoat. To redeem means to buy back. To redeem means to buy back. The word redeem in Hebrew is the word gal, G-A-A-L, gal. It means to buy back. It means to pay a ransom for. It also means to be released from existing danger or and to be rescued from every destruction by the enemy. Redeem means to be released from existing danger or undesirable situation. Debt is an undesirable situation. Not to be born again is an undesirable situation. It also means to be rescued from every destruction of the enemy. So the death of Jesus Christ of Nazareth forgives, brings the to the removal of sin, the remission of sin. The blood of Jesus Christ connects you to the blessing that was supposed to be yours, that was blocked by sin. Sin blocks you from going to heaven. But sin also blocks heaven from coming to you. Sin will block you from going to heaven, but sin will also block heaven from coming to you. It acts as a barrier between you and heaven or anything coming from heaven to you. So, the death of a sacrifice removes that sin, removes that barrier, but the blood brings the connection back to the blessing that you are supposed to receive. So the priest was supposed to take the blood and apply the blood. Even the children of Israel were told, you must apply the blood. So even if they killed a lamb or a goat as, as was ordered, but they didn't apply the blood, death still came to them even though they had killed You must apply the blood. 
the blood of Jesus is not useful to you unless you apply it. Even though the blood is available for you, if you don't apply it, it will not be efficacious. It will not be of use to you. That is why it is um, extremely important that you know where Jesus shed his blood and the reason why. So that you can apply that blood there. If you think Jesus just shed his blood to forgive your sins, that blood will be useful for you in that area. But there'll be, several, there'll be other doors that are still open that you have not put the blood on, that there's no, the God is not standing on the door to protect you there. That door is wide open, and the devil can attack that area because that area you did not apply the blood. And the reason you did not apply the blood is because you didn't know that the blood was also shed for that area. So blood is not just applied on your life. If you do, it will be useful for your life. But your life doesn't have one door. Your life has several doors. That is why even at the mercy seat, the blood was not sprinkled once. It was sprinkled seven times so that you get the sevenfold blessing of the blood. And that is why the Holy Communion is, compl- is extremely important. Because the Holy Communion is our visible symbol of the application of the blood of Jesus. Next Sunday, I want to teach on the Holy Communion. A bit, I want to go a little deeper. I'll be teaching on the mysteries of the four cups of the Holy Communion. Do you know the Holy Communion is not one cup? (coughs) It's supposed to be drunk four times. But I'll teach about this on Sunday. If the Jews are having Passover dinner, they have four cups that they take. Jesus, the one we take, there are two that are taken with supper, with the dinner, with the supper of the Passover supper, and there are two that are taken after. That's why the Bible says, after they had supped, Jesus took the cup. That was the third cup Jesus took. And that the what we normally announce, what is written for us is normally the third cup. It's called the cup of the blessing. Paul said, this cup of the blessing that we bless. So the third cup was called the cup of the blessing. And Jesus refused to take the fourth cup. He says, this other cup I will not take with you until I take it again in the kingdom of God. That is the same cup that was presented to him at uh, Gethsemane. And he said, please take this cup away from me. It was the fourth cup. But we'll learn about this on Sunday. Look now. You can't concentrate on... uh, (laughs) Today we are doing... uh, Where Jesus shed his blood. So the first place where Jesus shed his blood is at the Garden of Gethsemane. It's at the Garden of Gethsemane. 
And this is found where? In the book of Luke, chapter 22, from verse 39. The book of Luke, chapter 22, from verse 39 to 44. From verse 39 to 44. The Bible says, Coming out, he went to the Mount of Olives, as he was accustomed, and his disciples also followed him. And when he came to the place, he said, Pray that you may not enter into temptation. And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's throw, and he knelt and prayed, saying, Father, if it is your will, take this cup, that's the fourth cup, away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Then an angel appeared to him from heaven, strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. Then his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. Now, I want you to know that Jesus is not the only one who has ever sweated blood. Sweating blood is a medical condition, actually. Uh, it's called what? I, I did research on it last night. It's called... Uh, wait, wait. Hema, hematidrosis. Hematidrosis. Hematidrosis is a condition caused by great agony and anxiety. Great agony and anxiety that makes your capillaries burst open and you start sweating blood. This is what Jesus went through. It's a medical condition called hematidrosis that causes your capillaries to burst and blood to come out as sweat. This is what Jesus went through. This is a medical condition. If you get too much stressed and you get very and you cannot be able to contain the, the stress. The, the, you can research this. You can Google this. Hematidrosis. Uh, the, your, the, your capillaries will burst and you will sweat blood. So it was not unique to Jesus. And it, it was not far-fetched that he was sweating blood. The amount of stress and the amount of uh, anxiety that he was going through um, caused blood to come out. This is the first place he sweated blood in the Garden of Eden. And he did this because he was submitting his will to the will of God. As a human being, he knew exactly what kind of pain he was about to go through. And it was difficult. It was, it was not an easy thing to submit his will to the will of God. And by submitting his will to the will of God, he, he undid, he reversed what happened in the Garden of Eden when the first Adam, we remember Jesus Christ is the last Adam. So when the first Adam in, uh, submit, uh, took his will from submission to God and submitted his will to the devil. The Bible says Eve was deceived but Adam 
was not deceived. So Adam made a choice. He made a decision to submit his will to the devil. He took control of his own will and submitted it to the devil. That's why things like addiction, that's why you, your will can be captured by things like addiction, uh, by things like pornography or whatever, so that you do what you don't want to do. Your will is captured. But Jesus shed his um, blood so that we can regain control of our own will from the devil so that we now have a choice to submit our wills back to God. So right now, as we are partaking of the communion today, any addiction in your life, whether it is drugs, whether it is uh, anger, whatever it is that captures your will and makes you do that which you are unwilling to do by the communion of today, it is getting broken forever in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Jesus took our will back from being controlled by the prince of this world and gave us the choice to submit our will back to God. First Timothy chapter 2 verse 14 says, And Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived fell into transgression. So Adam was not deceived. He fell into transgression by choice. He decided, I am going to rebel against God. Eve did not rebel. She was deceived. She didn't know what she was doing. But Adam was aware exactly what he was doing. And uh, that's why um, God was very angry with him because he was not deceived. He made a choice to submit to Satan. So the first place where Jesus Christ shed his blood is at the Garden of Gethsemane. First Timothy chapter 2 verse 14 says, And Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived fell into transgression. The second place where Jesus shed his blood is we'll learn this next week is when they plucked his beards and they disfigured his face Isaiah chapter 52 verse 14 Isaiah chapter 52 verse 14 it says, just as many were astonished at you, so his visage was mad more than any man, and his form more than the sons of men. Isaiah chapter 50 verse 6. I gave my back to those who struck me, and my cheeks to those who plucked out the beard. I did not hide my face from shame and spitting. So people came and plucked chunks of um, beard, the, remember the people in the era of Jesus, they grew be their beards, especially rabbis. Jesus was a rabbi. They, they grew their beards long. So people took advantage of that and started jacking off and uh, jacking out and uh, um, pulling out 
the beards of Jesus and they completely disfigured his face. They disfigured his face so that you can regain back our image. So, can, so that you can regain back our image. In fact, today I'm going to do eight places where Jesus shed his blood, not seven. And the eighth place is after death. So that we can, uh, we can regain back our image. So if you have a poor self-concept, if you don't love yourself, if you don't think you're beautiful, the Bible says by reason of the disfigurement of the face of Jesus, God gives you now beauty for ashes, the oil of gladness for the spirit of heaviness. When you accept Jesus, his beauty comes upon you. Your image is restored because Jesus shed his blood to make it possible. They plucked his beards. They disfigured his face to make your face be beautiful and to make it to restore your image before God and before men. The third place where Jesus shed his blood is at the whipping post, at the whipping pole. Isaiah chapter 61 verse 3 says, To console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning. Maybe one day I'll make anointing oil called the oil of joy. Eh? The oil of joy for mourning. You'll not put me in the papers, eh? Garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. So when you are beautiful, when you are comforted from mourning, when you have the oil of joy, you don't have the garment of heaviness, you have the garment of praise, the Bible says you'll be called the trees of righteousness, and the result is that God will be glorified so the, the, the other place the third place where Jesus shed his blood is at the weeping post the book of John chapter 19 verse 1 the book of John chapter 19 verse 1 says so then Pilate took Jesus and scourged him. To scourge was to, to be whipped with what the Romans called cut of nine tails. Cut of nine tails was um, a whip with nine different, um, uh, what, what do you call it? Nine different, uh, it was a handle with nine different whips. So one handle has nine whips. Instead of having one whip, it had nine whips. And at the end of this whip, there was a hook. There was a hook like this. So they would whip you. They would tie you on a pole. Tie both your hands on a pole like this. And tie both your legs on the pole so that your back is exposed. Then they would whip your back. And then the hook would go and collect, uh, attach onto your flesh. Then they would rip it out. Then they would whip again. 
the hook attaches to your flesh and whoop, they whip it out. So that histori historians say that Jesus, by the time they were done with him, his internal organs were visible from the outside. When you looked at his back, so when we say the stripes of Jesus, we do not, we do not mean um, Jesus had some lines, scars on his back like this. So the stripes of Jesus, the way you have a striped shirt. No, no, no. The whole back was exposed. There was no back, in a, in a manner of speaking. There was no skin there. There was no flesh there. The whole back was exposed. And this is the same back that he used to carry now the cross. The weeping was before he carried the cross up the mountain. So this is the same back that he used to he put. So when he put the cross, he put the cross on raw wounds. He didn't put the cross on a back that, was, uh, that had skin. He put the cross on raw wounds. It was an exposed back. His organs were exposed. Scientists say, um, the, this thing has frozen. Are we okay? It's, 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 it's going okay. Because here I can see it has frozen. Huh? The comments are okay. Can, can you scroll so I can see? We just want to make sure that um, what I'm teaching here is not, uh, I'm not talking to myself. I need to show to you exactly what happened to Jesus Christ so that you understand when you say Jesus took your sickness. You understand? Grace when Jesus said, I feel the pain as if I'm the one being whipped. So, so that you understand you cannot play around with the disease. What Jesus went through to take it when you're playing around with disease, it's like you're mocking this pain that you went through. Or if somebody comes to tell you how it is the will of God for you to be sick, if you understand what Jesus went through to make sure that you're not sick, you can even beat this person. Um, so I'm, I'm working together with my technicians here to make sure that you're, you're still following. The, the picture has not frozen. Network is okay. Because feedback here, I can see it is just going round and round. Why? I cannot. I'm frozen. I can not see anything. Are you? Are you? Are you receiving? Okay. Uh, so okay. I'm. I'm the one here that. Uh, it is well. Jesus Christ is Lord over Kenya. I think now we are. We are getting back to. Uh, it is refreshing. Oh, okay. So Jesus was whipped by this cut of nine tails. So it was a handle, and it was taken by the, somebody who had uh, eaten properly. The soldiers who had eaten properly and they would whip you and they would rip the skin off of your back. This is what happened to Jesus at the pole. 
And Jesus came out of there with his internal organs visible from the back. In fact, most people never survived the whipping. They would die on that pole. But since they could not kill Jesus Christ, they could not kill him. Because he was, not, he was living by the life of God, Jesus could still walk with his body at that, at, uh, at that um, condition. So this is what he said, that by the stripes of Jesus we are healed. If you understand, if Jesus had not been whipped, you would be saved, okay, but you would not be healed. There would be no divine healing. So the Bible says in the book of Isaiah, chapter 53, verse 5, He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. This Isaiah was prophesying the time when Jesus would be whipped. Scientists say that all diseases boil down to 39 roots. All diseases known to man, they boil down to 39 roots. So, God had put a law. There was a Levitical law that whatever punishment, whatever offense anybody had taken, they could not be whipped more than 40 times. This is in the book of Leviticus, I think. It says you can only whip a maximum of 40 times. That's why they used, um, uh, because God knew all the diseases had 39, 39 um, roots. So for each stripe, for each root of the disease, Jesus uh, paid the price by a stripe. So there's no disease in this earth that is not covered by the stripes of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. When these things, when you assimilate these things, when you meditate on these things and uh, they become real to you, you cannot sit comfortable and say, it, it is okay, uh, this is my sickness, when you know that Jesus did this not as himself, he did it as you. When Jesus was being whipped on the pole, it's you who was being whipped. When Jesus' beard was being plucked out, it is you who was, whose beard was being plucked out by the principle of identification. So you cannot be punished two times for the same thing. You're already punished. You should not accept another punishment for the same offense. By the stripes of Jesus, I have been healed. So when you are taking of the blood and eating of the body, You are affirming, you are proclaiming, you are enforcing upon your life the benefits that Jesus obtained for you when he underwent this suffering at the pole. That's why it's important 
That's why Jesus said, as often as you do this, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. In other words, when you take the Holy Communion, you are saying, Jesus died for me. Jesus was whipped for me. I cannot suffer this thing anymore. This thing is illegal in my life. It must go now because I am receiving the benefit of the death of Jesus. I am receiving the benefit of the whipping of Jesus. I am receiving the benefit for what Jesus died, did for me at Calvary. And Jesus is there to back you up, to say, yes, I paid so that my son, my daughter can be made whole. Lovi Bosiri says, I cannot, I cannot sit comfortably. I think the teaching is uh, uh, entering deep, deep. So Jesus didn't just shed his blood on the cross. He shed his blood in various places for various reasons. After weeping, the next place where Jesus shed his blood is already 11.14. I need to move quickly. Is when they put the crown of thorns upon his head. When they put the crown of thorns upon his head. This is in the book of Matthew, chapter 27, verse 29. Matthew Chapter 27, verse 29. They put the crown of thorns upon his head. <clears throat> Since when they had twisted a crown of thorns, they put it on his head and a reed in his right hand. And they bowed the knee before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. Then they spat on him and took the reed and struck him on the head. Why did they put a crown of thorns on his head? Okay. When it says they put a crown of thorns on his head, they didn't take a crown of thorns and place it on his head. What they did is they drove it in his, in, his, um, in his skull. They pressed the thorns in, in his skull, so that the crown was stuck in his skull, and the blood came out. They didn't take it and say, okay, you're the king of the Jews, carry this, no, no, this. They, they put those inch, the two-inch thorns inside his head, and the blood came out. And Jesus shed his blood from his brow, to deliver us from poverty. To deliver us from poverty. From the curse of poverty. Because when Adam sinned. And Adam started talking to God. And God came looking for him. God said, because you have done this. And you have listened to your wife. 
the curses that God released on Eve was a direct curse on her. He said, you shall have pain at childbirth and so forth and so forth. Can you put that scripture? Genesis chapter 3 verse 17. Then said, then to Adam he said, no, 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 start from the one of the serpent. There's a curse that went to the serpent. So the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, this is Genesis chapter 3 verse 14. So the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, you are cursed more than all cattle and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you shall go and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. So this scripture alone tells us at this time, the serpent was not going on his belly. It had legs. Otherwise, if he was already going on his belly at this time, this would not be a curse. The serpent would say, but I'm already going on my belly. So at this time, the serpent had legs. And scientists have, they have um, anthro uh, the people who study animals are called what? Anyway, scientists, is it anthropologists, whatever. Scientists have discovered the people who study evolution and uh, ancient whatever they said long ago snakes used to have legs in fact if you check you find uh, snakes have the vestibules or the remnants of where legs used to be so they say snakes evolved from having legs to not having legs which doesn't make sense so snake used to have legs but the legs were removed not because of evolution but they were removed because of the curse of god upon the snake genesis chapter 3 verse 15 says and i will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel so you understand that god cast the snake directly verse 16 says to the woman he said i will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception in pain you shall bring forth children your desire shall be for your husband and he shall rule over you wait so this is um, god cast the woman by releasing labor during childbirth this is why when somebody is going to give birth in current setting we remove labor because labor was never part of the blessing it was part of the curse of god upon the woman and since jesus redeemed us from the curse part of the curse we've been redeemed from is labor Labor, labor pain when you're giving birth. So it is supposed to be giving birth, if this scripture is uh, real for you, giving birth is supposed to be like um, going for a long call. No problem, no what, no what. No labor. Because labor was part and parcel of the curse. And the Bible says, your husband shall rule over you. But you see, uh, now with the advent of Christ, the Bible says in Christ there's no male or female so this curse we, we god removes this curse from the ladies so that god looks at you as a spirit being not as a male being or a female being verse 17 then to adam he said because you have heeded the voice of your wife and you have eaten from the tree of which i commanded you saying you shall not eat of it cast is the ground for your sake. So you realize God cast the serpent. God cast 
Eve, but God never cast Adam. He told Adam, because you have done this, it is the ground which is cast. Cast is the ground for your sake. In toil, you shall eat of it all the days of your life. In other words, before this, Adam never used to eat by toil. Adam used to eat by grace. Adam never used to eat eating by toil. Toil means working like an elephant and earning like a mouse, earning like a rat. Eating by toil was part of the curse. Work is not curse because God gave the Adam um, Garden of Eden to work it, to administrate it. So working is not curse, but toiling is a curse. Next. Both thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you. Talking about the ground. He says, the ground shall now bring forth thorns and thistles for you. And you shall eat the herb of the field. So the ground will, not bring, will now bring forth thorns and thistles. What, what does it mean? It means before this, the ground used to bring forth fruit. The, ground, the Adam's ground used to bring forth fruit. But now God cast the ground and says from now, ground shall bring forth thorns and thistles. In other words, God removed himself from being the supplier on the ground. So Adam had to live by what he worked for. He now started depending on the arm of flesh. Next. In the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you are taken for dust you are, and dust you shall return. So Adam, after this curse, started eating from the sweat of his brow. That means before the curse, Adam didn't need to sweat to eat. Adam used to enjoy what he was doing. You know, when you're doing something you enjoy, it is not work. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground. Since from it you are taken, for dust you are, and dust you will, you will, and to dust you will return. So God didn't cast Adam. God cast the ground. God cast the ground so that it can produce thorns and thistles. God cast the ground so that Adam will no longer eat by the provision of God. Adam will be eating from the sweat of his brow. But the curse of Adam had an end. Said this curse shall continue until you return to the ground. In other words, until you die. The day you die, this curse ends. Listen to me carefully. The reason, man, the reason. The ground was cast because Adam ate of the fruit of the tree that God commanded that he should eat. It's because that fruit, that tree was tithe. It belonged to God. And that's why eating of the tree, eating of the fruit of that tree directly affected the provision. 
it messed up the channel flow of provision to Adam. And every time you do not return the tithe and you eat the tithe, you are doing the same thing. You are eating of the tree that God had commanded you must not eat the fruit thereof. And you are reaping the same effect. That is why whenever people give, I normally say, I plead the blood of Jesus Christ over your ground. I break the curse. I command your ground now, instead of producing for you thorns and thistles, it must now produce for you fruit. Why? Because you have not eaten of the tithe. Amen. So Jesus, the last Adam, took the thorns and thistles that Adam's ground was cast with, put it on his brow, where Adam was supposed to eat of the sweat off, and instead of sweat, blood came out so that the curse of sweat can be broken. I welcome you to the arena of sweatless victory. I welcome you into the arena of eating by the provision of God, of eating by sweatless victory in the name of Jesus. So as we take of the communion today, if you have been eating of the curse, you are forgiven from today. But from to if you have been eating of the tithe, you are forgiven from today. But stop eating of the tithe. Otherwise, you shall renew that curse again in your life after you have broken it today. But we are breaking it today in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And from this day forward, your ground starts producing for you fruit after fruit after fruit after fruit after fruit, after fruit in Jesus' precious name. So when the blood of Jesus, the Bible says the life of the flesh is in the blood. So when that blood came from the brow of Jesus and hit the ground, Jesus died. And this curse ended because the curse was supposed to end when Adam returned to the dust. Glory to Jesus. Wow. Gabriel Mutukumbobu says, I am come to the arena of sweatless victory. Ivy Chelsea says, now I am within the arena of eating by grace. <coughs> Purity Christine says, I receive. Dora Odero says, I receive. Lovi Bosire says, I hear you. Grace Wanjiru. I receive the arena of sweatless eating, eating by the provision of God. As you receive this revelation, lack, poverty, want, 
is terminated from your life from this day forward and henceforth forever. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Mike Kamau, I receive fruits from the ground in Jesus' name. Mickey Michelle Martin says, you're teaching good, teaching good. Number five, the fifth place. Jesus shed his blood from his hands when they nailed his hands upon the cross. Mix these things with faith. They will help you. When the revelation hits you that you are not supposed to sweat for your eating, money will begin to locate you anywhere. When the revelation hits you that Jesus put the thistles upon his brow so that your ground can begin to produce fruit for you. When the revelation hits you that Adam, by eating of the fruit of the tree that God commanded that it must not be eaten, he ate the tithe. You will never, if you see the effect of Adam eating tithe, you will never touch tithe again ever. You look at that thing like it, it is snake. The moment it enters your hand, you'll want it out of your hand at the earliest possible moment. You know, people think they tithe because of church or because of the man of God. No, you tithe because of you. You tithe so that you maintain your ground. So that your ground will produce fruit not thorns and thistles. By eating of the tithe, you are renewing the curse that Jesus already redeemed you from. So they nailed Jesus on the cross. Which, which scripture is that? They nailed Jesus on the cross. This uh, thing should be John chapter 19. I don't know. So Jesus shed blood from his hands to bless, to redeem the work of our hands. To redeem the work of our hands. So by the blood of Jesus, that was shed through his hands. The work of your hands are now blessed. Listen. There are people with cast hands. 
whatever they touch dies. But through the blood of Jesus, whatever you touch gets life. That means even if the company was going down, the moment they employed you and you started working there, because your hands are blessed, that company now starts making profit. If you understand that your hands are blessed, the work of your hands are blessed, it means everything you do, you expect it to succeed. You expect it to succeed. Because the blood of Jesus was shed from the hand of Jesus so that anything you set your hand to do, it is now blessed. When you go to business with this revelation, when you are doing sales with this revelation, then you know whatever goods they have given you to sell, you will be the highest sales agent. Your portfolio will be the highest because the blood of Jesus was shed for the work of your hands to be blessed. My people perish because of lack of knowledge. This is a good scripture. This is not what I was looking for, but it's good. Psalm 22 verse 16 says, For dogs have surrounded me. The congregation of the wicked has enclosed me. They pierced my hands and my feet. So that takes us to the next place where Jesus shed his blood is the blood came out of his feet. The blood came out of his feet when they pierced his feet. They pierced my hands and my feet. Psalm 22 verse 16. So your hands are blessed because the blood of Jesus was shed from the hands of Jesus. Your legs are blessed because the blood of Jesus was shed from the feet of Jesus. Jesus shed his blood from his feet so that he can redeem back our dominion. Jesus shed blood from his feet so that he can redeem back to us our dominion. You see, because the blood, your hands are blessed, this is the, the reason why you can lay hands on someone. And if I were you, I would lay hands on everything that, I want, that I'm selling. When I get my goods, I lay hands on them. I say, goods, I've laid my blessed hands on you. These hands were blessed by reason of the blood of Jesus. As I lay hands on you, you must now be sold. I lay hands and change your label. I change your label to sold. If you know this, even if the economy is bad like how, your own goods they will buy. Yesterday I got a testimony from one of my sons. The economy is like this. People are locked down. What? 
He's doing what? But he used to walk around his house and say, God will give me a fridge. The fridge will go there. God will give me a microwave. It will go here. God will give me this. It will go here. It will go here. So he said this and continued giving tithe, continued giving offering, continued giving gifts. And one day God honored that. One of, one of his um, uh, friends just came and said, I hear you need 200,000. Here, take cash. And in one day, all those things that he had been confessing, God gave him. He bought a new fridge, new chairs, new what? In one day. Who, during lockdown, gives you 200,000? If God is not involved in it. $2,000, just like that. People are holding toilet paper. Another one is giving you $2,000. When the, your blessing, the blessing of God upon your life will make your enemies, will make your destiny helpers to act irrationally. The blessing of God upon your life will make your destiny help us to act irrationally. I told you about the children of Israel who went, who went to the Egyptians. God commanded, God gave them favor and they went to the children of Egypt and said, we want your gold, we want your silver. Bring all of it. The Bible says they went to borrow. God says, go and borrow all the gold and all the silver that the Egyptians have. Now, when you go to borrow, the person you are borrowing from will normally ask you, when are you going to return? So the children of Israel went to borrow, and when they were asked, when are you returning? They said, we are not returning. And the people they asked for gave anyway. The blessing of God on your life will make your destiny help us to act irrationally in your favor. We are about to go into the Holy Communion. We are finishing up this teaching. And I can see people are really learning something. I'm also learning something. So the shed blood of Jesus on his feet was shed for our dominion. God said, God told Abraham, Wherever the soles of your feet shall step, that place I will give you. So my son used to walk around his house and step on places. So you need to learn that the blood of Jesus has been shed for you so that everywhere you step, that place becomes yours. Don't use your walking. Don't let your walking be in vain. Don't let your stepping be in vain. Don't step in a rented house for 15 years with bare feet and then leave that place and you, are, you, you have not collected it. Because you understand this revelation, be wiser than somebody who doesn't understand this revelation. Use it to collect things before Jesus comes. Glory. Wow. Time has gone. It's almost 12. We've almost been here two hours. The next place, number seven, where Jesus shed his blood 
he was, was, uh, he was speared, speared was by being pierced on his side. He was being pierced on his side. This is the book of John, chapter 19, verse 34. John chapter 19, verse 34 says, But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and immediately blood and water came out. Let's start, I think, from verse 32 so that we understand the context of this. <coughs> okay, let's start from verse 30. So when Jesus had received sour wine, he said, it is finished. And bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. Verse 31. Therefore, because it was a preparation day, that the body should not remain on the cross on the Sabbath, for that Sabbath was a high day, the Jews asked the pilot that their legs might be broken, that they might be taken away. Now, let me explain this scripture. John 19, verse 31. According to rabbinical or Levitical teachings, a body was not supposed to remain on the cross during a Sabbath day. The Jews believed that if a body remains on the cross during the Sabbath day, all the curses that were upon this person would fall upon that city. The Jews believed that if a body remained on the Sabbath, uh, on a cross, on the Sabbath day, all the curses that were upon the dead person would now come upon, they would be transferred to that city where the person was crucified. So the Jews went to Pilate and said, we are about to enter Sabbath, because Sabbath always started from six in the evening. We are about to enter Sabbath day. And Okay, the Jews, the, the Romans generally didn't nail people when they crucified them. They tied them on the cross. They tied them with ropes, and the person normally died from asphyxiation, from lack of breathing. Because for you to breathe, when you're tied like that, you have to lift yourself with your feet and try to get some air into your lungs, because the weight of your own body would kill you as you're hanging on the cross. So it, took, it was a painful death because it took hours and hours for somebody to die. Somebody would die from asphyxiation. It took hours and hours for somebody to die, and they would die of lack of breath. They would drown in their own blood. They would drown in, in the, um, uh, due to lack of air. They would die because of lack of air. Because eventually they would grow tired of lifting themselves. Sometimes it took days for somebody to die. So, but to make sure they die faster, they would break their legs. They would break the legs so that they don't have capacity now to push on their legs and lift up and get some air to breathe. So because these people were taking long to die, and they knew they would not be able to die that day, and the Sabbath was coming, and they didn't want these people to still be on the cross during the Sabbath so that they don't receive the curse of Jesus and the thieves that he was crucified with. They went and got permission so that they can, break, they can come and break the legs of the people 
so that they would die faster. That's why it says, because it was a preparation day, I'm giving you background so that you can understand this scripture. Therefore, because it was a preparation day, that the bodies should not remain on the cross on the Sabbath. For that Sabbath was a high day. It was a special Sabbath. The Jews asked Pilate that their legs might be broken, that they might be taken away. Next. <coughs> Verse 32 says, Then the soldiers came and broke the leg of the first and of the other who was crucified with him. I want to say something here. That might uh, mess up your theology a bit. Jesus was not crucified with one person on either side. He was crucified by two people on either side. He was in the center of... There were five... There were not three crosses on that hill. There were five. And this scripture proves it. It says, Then the soldier came and broke the leg of the first. So they started from one end. Eh? So they broke the leg of one. Then they broke the leg of another. Then now they came to Jesus who was in the middle. Because otherwise, they would have to break one, come bypass Jesus, go break the other one, and now come back to Jesus. That's, that makes sense. So they broke one. This might mess up your theology a bit. Though it doesn't um, just get born again. Eh? It doesn't add any... <laughs> it says, then, Jesus, uh, then the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first and of the other who was crucified with him. So they were going in chronological order. Next verse. But when they came to Jesus, so it means they had not come to Jesus before this. So when they came to Jesus... And so that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. So when they came to Jesus, they found Jesus was already dead. But then they couldn't believe that somebody can die so quickly. Because they knew normally crucifixion took time. So to make sure that he was dead. Next verse. The soldier said he cannot really be dead. People, people take time to die. So to make sure that he was dead. But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear. So that you see if he will flinch. And immediately blood and water came out. I'll teach you one day why it is blood and water. There's nothing that is written in the Bible that is just written. Everything has meaning. There's no word of God that is in the Bible that is there by mistake. But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear and immediately blood and water came out. And that is the seventh place where Jesus shed his blood. Next verse. And he who has seen has testified, and his testimony is true, and he knows that he's telling the truth that you may believe. So Jesus shed his blood from his side to get his wife. Because the Bible says, God put the first Adam to sleep and opened his side and removed a rib. And through that rib, Eve was made. 
So Jesus also shed his blood, the last Adam. Genesis chapter 2 verse 21 says, And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in its place. So Adam shed the blood from his side and got his wife, who is called Eve. Jesus also shed the blood from his side so that his wife, who is the church, can be born, can be created. What the first Adam did, the last Adam also did. So Jesus made it possible for the church to come in place by shedding the blood from his side. These are the seven places where Jesus shed his blood. And you must know why he shed his blood in these places so that you can take that blood and apply it to the door of these places so that the destroyer will not come in. Don't just say, I apply the blood of Jesus on the door of my life. You need to apply the blood of Jesus on the door of your walk so that you get dominion, on the door of the work of your hands, so that the enemy cannot attack, on the door of your riches and finances and provision, so that you not, uh, poverty will not come in, on the door of your family, because uh, you have got your wife and children, so that the, the demon, every place where Jesus shed his blood, you must apply the blood on that door. Otherwise, the scapegoat that, that had been... Um, cast out of the camp. The Bible, that's why Jesus said, when a demon is cast out, it goes into the wilderness like a scapegoat. After a while, it comes to check if there are doors that are still open, that the blood has not been applied. Have you sprinkled the blood seven times? If you have not sprinkled the blood seven times, it will find a doorway to enter through. And, they, and it brings seven others. Seven others means uh, one for each area. One for each area, where, one for each door. And it says the, the last condition of the person is now worse than the first condition. So if you don't understand that the blood of Jesus must be applied, and if you don't understand where to apply that blood, even though the death of the, of the sacrifice remove sin from you, you will not have access to the blessing that God has made available for you. My people perish because of lack of knowledge. Now we have dispensed knowledge to you and we seal that knowledge in your heart by the blood of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. No demon, no vulture, no birds of the air will come and pick the seed of the word from your heart in the name of the Lord Jesus. In the name of the Lord Jesus. In the name of the Lord Jesus.